of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Hello and welcome to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones, continuing today through the Psalm Project. All of the Psalms, all 150 Psalms, set to music. I believe that art, art is something that God has given us and to use for His glory. And the Psalms are no different. Uh, these are these are poems. These are songs, and so. They are beneficial to us as believers because, first of all, they are the Word of God. Secondly, what we can do with them artistically can help us as Christians and see the Word of God in a different light. And so that brings us to Psalm 22, which is a somewhat long psalm. It is a lamenting psalm. It is well known for its many citations and allusions in the New Testament. Uh, Some examples, Matthew 27, Matthew 39... Um, let's see, John 19, Hebrews 2.12. Um, and, and this psalm, much like Psalm 69, which we are not there yet, but if you would take a moment to look at that. I, I mentioned this in the last prod- podcast, but it, it expresses the suffering of Christ in a sort of prophetic manner. Uh, it expresses the son of David and dying at the hands of wicked men. Now keep in mind... This was written centuries before Christ, and yet many of the things expressed in this psalm are direct references to what happened to Christ on the cross. Let's look at this psalm. I'm going to read it. I'm going to try to read it a little faster because it is 31 verses, but bear with me. Here is Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? O my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth. And from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. 
But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and and worship Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. So let's take a look at this and break it down a little bit. Psalm 22. It is a lamenting psalm, and if you have noticed in some of our laments we have looked at already, um, they are usually framed or focused on not necessarily the complaint that is being offered, but praise of the Lord. And so the psalmist here, David, has the correct perspective. He turns his focus to the Lord, and you see this at the end when he's talking about praising the Lord from generation to generation. But he begins the psalm saying, why have you forsaken me? This is a familiar text, one of the last words of Christ on the cross. I am in the midst of setting the seven last words of Christ on the cross to music, and I have I'm almost finished with the third word, so that's four more to go after this. I have not yet come to, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But this is one of the things that Jesus said on the cross. Lama, lama, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. That is what Jesus said. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And David says it here. He cries in anguish the why of the righteous sufferer. Where is the presence of God that he has promised? Joshua 1, 5 says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And this is the promise that God gave to his people. The same promise that Jesus questions on the cross, and he knew the reality of a total abandonment, that was only partial with David. So even in partial abandonment, David here is saying, God, where are you? In the place of David and all the people of God, Jesus bore the dreadful curse that sin deserves, where God, the Father himself, turns his back. In verse 3, you are holy, you're enthroned on the praises of Israel. God's 
kingship exists before any human acclamation, but his reign becomes manifest to worshipers through their praises. It's often been said that praise, that worship is battle against the enemy, and it's true. These are darts to the enemy when you praise God. In verse 4, in you our fathers trusted. They trusted, they del- you delivered them. In you they cried and were rescued. David could think of a time that Abraham was delivered from the five kings in Genesis 14, Joseph from the Egyptian prison in Genesis 41, and most of all, is Moses and Israel from the land of Egypt in the book of Exodus. David would have been incredibly familiar with this. In verse 7, all who see me mock me. His, his enemies here ridicule his trust in God. And this experience is alluded to in Matthew 27, 41 through 44. Listen to this. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from that cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. And so this experience is alluded to in Matthew as Christ had to endure the ridicule of hypocritical priests and criminals. David here, again, experiencing this type of ridicule. Verse 9, it is you... You are he who took me from the womb. He affirms a long-standing trust in God's ability to save them, uh, to save him. And he has confidence in God as far back as he can remember. Truth is, when we look back on our lives, we can all see God's work in our lives. It doesn't take much. Verse 12, many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan, Surround me. These bulls, the bulls of Bashan, were noted for their power and size. In Amos 4.1, hear this word, you cows of Bashan, who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to your husbands, bring that we may drink. So these were not weak bulls that are referenced here. The bulls of Bashan noted for their power and size and their fierce Um, demeanor. Verse 13, they open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. Uh, The lions often represent uh, power, uh, ferocity, and ruthlessness in the Bible, and especially in the ancient Near East. Verse 14, my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. Outward attack here is matched by inward agony. And the figures that David uses here reflect the inward turmoil induced by the circling threat of his enemies. And this is fulfilled in Christ. The prophetic prophetic words describe the agony of the one who is crucified. Verse 16, for dogs encompass me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. The traditional Hebrew reading may reflect a copyist's error because what happens here is it, it really it le- reads literally like a lion. Uh, 
And so the ancient Greek translation of the Old Testament suggests that the corrected reading is pierced. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Sometimes you come across that in reading uh, Scripture. Um, some of the texts that we have in both Greek and Hebrew are derived from scribes and their notes. Uh, for example, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. Uh, the ending uh, the ending praise, the uh, doxology given at the end of the Lord's Prayer, is not there in the earliest manuscripts. So, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. That is not in the earliest manuscripts. That's not to say that it's wrong or it doesn't go with it. It certainly does. And so I have no problem with it. But sometimes you find that. And this is one of those cases. So, moving on to verse 19. 19 through 21. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. Deliver my soul from the sword. Save me from the mouth of the lion. After the laments and confessions of trust come, the climax, an appeal to the Lord. So this is an appeal to the Lord where David is saying, don't be far off. Obviously, God is everywhere. So this is a figure of speech, but he feels this way. He feels he has been abandoned. But notice that the enemies are named in reverse in these scriptures. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. So where he has mentioned uh, previously oxen, lions, dogs, humans, here he references humans, dogs, lions, and oxen in reverse. Then in verse 21, he says, you have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. Rescued. This assurance of being heard is also present in other psalms of lament. Psalm 3-4, for example. We've, we've read this already. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Psalm 28-6, Psalm 27-13, Psalm 34-4, Psalm 38-15, Psalm 118-5 and 21. You see this where... Your, the prayer is heard, and God has rescued the psalmist. And then in verse 22, I will tell of your name to my brothers. The thankful praise of the psalmist here will be offered as the payment of his vows. In verse 25, he says, um, my vows I will perform before those who fear him. In Hebrews 2.12 uh, this verse is applied to Christ who leads the praise of the congregation. In verse 24, he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. Mention of vows is common in the Psalms of Lament, particularly. Uh, the, the sufferer promises to bring a thanksgiving when his prayer is answered. For example, uh, Leviticus 7.16, but if the sacrifice of his offering is a vow offering or a free will offering, it shall be eaten on the day that he offers his sacrifice, and on the next day what remains of it shall be eaten. So the mention of vows here, vows were very crucial to Israel, Israelite culture, particularly during this time, and the mention of vows is common in the Psalms. And so what the psalmist does is says, God, if you hear my prayer, if you answer it, if you respond, I will bring a thanksgiving 
when that prayer is answered. So then in verse 26, the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. This is perhaps a reference to a sacrificial meal of the Old Testament, a peace offering. And when the vow is, is paid and the worshipers are included, they pay their vows, they eat this sacrificial meal as a sort of offering. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forevermore. And then in verse 27, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. The scope of praise here expands, showing the prophetic reference to Christ and the New Testament church. So there's a lot of prophetic text here in Psalm 22. And then in verse 31, they shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. So the final victory here of salvation is accomplished by Christ. John 19.30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So Jesus says it's finished. He is not talking about his work because his work would continue to be accomplished through the New Testament church. But his work as a person in his human ministry here on earth is done on the cross. The final victory of salvation has been accomplished. And the psalmist here says, They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. This is not the work of man. This is not the work of people. This is the work of God himself in the flesh of a man. And so... The psalmist here proclaims, he ends this lamenting psalm with praise of God. So even though he is offering his complaint to the Lord, he is also offering praise to God, and rightly so, he focuses his lament on the glory of God. There is nothing wrong with offering a complaint to God, with telling him how we feel. We can be honest. There is nothing wrong with that. But our, pray, our complaints, our laments, should hold a focus of the glory of God. Why are we complaining about this? What is the underlying, the foundational issue for us? Is it the glory of God or is it our satisfaction, our well-being, our happiness? What is the source of our complaint? So I encourage you to think about that when you, in your prayer life as you talk to God, as you... Uh, Maybe offer a complaint to him. God, this is going on in my life. I don't like it. Why don't you like it? What is the foundational issue there? Is it just discomfort? Or is there a deeper spiritual meaning behind it? Does, is, is your complaint rooted in God's glory and a desire for such? That should be where our laments come from. So hopefully you can worship through this. Psalm 22, it is lengthy. There are there is some strange text, <laughs> um, but every word of God is beneficial. It does not return void. So uh, enjoy this psalm. Worship through it. I'm really excited about Psalm 23 coming up. So uh, thank you for listening today to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones.
Give 
in the glory Jacob's seed All Israel's sons Fear him indeed For he has not Despised the poor He has not scorned Their wretched state He has not turned away His face from anyone In trouble great When any cried to Shine. 